0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Today, Robert Quintana begins a three-part series on the Holy Spirit with his message, Come Holy Spirit. How many of you long to be free? Long to be free from the bondage of sin long to be free from the pain and the sorrow of this world. And the Bible tells us that through Jesus Christ, he has secured our freedom. But we do await for that day where we are finally set free once and for all from the results of sin. And uh, we're painted this beautiful picture in Revelation about God standing on the precipice of this earth and announcing our freedom from death and sin. Isn't that exciting? I don't recommend this movie for everyone. I decided to watch it because I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I love hiking and backpacking, and, and uh, so the movie intrigued me 127 hours Show of hand. has anyone here seen that movie? I don't recommend it for everyone because there are some gory scenes. I have to admit there are some bloody scenes in it, but it's a true story. And if you'd like to know about the story and maybe dig in a little bit more and know more about the story, you can probably Google it or YouTube it. Uh, There are um, interviews of the guy the hiker that this actually happened to, but he was out in Utah and he was hiking through some crevices and he slipped and fell. The boulder underneath him gave way and he fell several feet. But when he came to a stop, to a rest, his right arm was trapped. The boulder had fallen and he was in this crevice And the rock had wedged itself there in the crevice with his arm stuck between the boulder and the face of the rock. And there he was, and he could not free himself. And day after day, sipping, rationing the water that he had and the little food that he had, he had this little pocket knife, and he was desperately trying to break free Well, the pocket knife became dull, could not break himself free. He began to hallucinate. He began to pass out, come to. He was running out of water, and several days into this experience, he realized, if I don't do something drastic, I'm going to die here. I I need to be set free. And this is where it gets a little gory. This is where it gets a little little sketchy. This is the part where I would say, uh, you might not want to watch the movie. You might just want to go to YouTube and, you know, see the interview because he did survive. The way he survived was by taking that doll pocket knife and cutting his arm off. There's something within us that wants to be free. There's something within us that longs to be free. And you know, we will go through some drastic measures in order to be free. This country has fought and has bled in order to be free. There is something within us that longs to be free. I believe it's because God created us to be free. But then sin enters the world and now we are trapped We are trapped in the bondage of sin. And I thank God that through Jesus Christ, he was given the power to overcome sin. And so our freedom has been secured. We just now wait for that day where it is brought to its fruition. And God brings an end to the bondage of sin and the results of sin once and for all. But there's something within us all that wants to be free. How would you feel if I told you this morning that there is something, there is someone that can help you start experiencing that freedom that you long for now? That you can begin to experience the freedom that we all long for today? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ because we know and understand that only he is worthy and we come before you hiding in his shadows, hiding in his presence. God, there is a longing within us all to be free. And as we dive into your word, we will discover together that there is a way that we can begin to experience that freedom now. So, God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you help us understand, help us to apply what we read here today. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you guys notice the sermon title? Come, Jesus, come, part one. Did you notice? Now, we all know it's really part seven, right? Come, Holy Spirit, come, part one, the first part of a three-part sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you that have been visiting with us week after week, you know that we started a sermon series on the Trinity, on the Godhead, and we've already looked at God the Father We looked at God the Son, and now we're going to begin to look at God the Holy Spirit, one that for many of us is a little mysterious, is a little bit unknown. We're not too sure if he's an actual figure. Are we going to be able to shake his hand someday? Or is he just kind of some spirit the way that maybe we interpret a spirit in today's terms, like some kind of mystical uh, figure? He's just some kind of, um, you know, fog. I know that when I was growing up, the closest association I had to the Holy Spirit as a child, this was my understanding of the Holy Spirit, Casper the friendly ghost. I kid you not. I I remember trying to, to identify and try to understand who this Holy Ghost is, and the best thing I can come up with was Casper the friendly ghost. You know, this ghost, and he's a good ghost, and he kind of goes around, and he can disappear and reappear and take different shapes, and and he just went around just doing good things and doing good deeds. And that was the closest thing I can come up with when I was a child as to who, what, uh, what's his role? Who is this Holy Ghost? It made sense to me as a child. Casper, the friendly ghost. Now, obviously, as I grew older and as I read more and as I, as I studied more and as I would read the Gospels and, and the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, man, I just started to underst- understand the Holy Spirit a little bit more and realize He plays an integral part in our spiritual development. I mean, he plays a, a significant role in our journey and in our lives and in the plan of salvation. And as I studied the Holy Spirit, I realized, man, there is a lot in Scripture about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and not just a lot of stuff, but a lot of specific stuff. I mean, it identifies his role pretty clearly in Scripture. And some of those things we're going to cover in this sermon series, obviously, we don't have the time to go into everything that he does, but we're going to cover some of those things, some of some of his roles. Did you know that the Bible says about the Spirit that we do not know what we ought to pray for, but that the Holy Spirit takes that prayer before God on our behalf, and with groanings that cannot be uttered, presents those prayers before God. Isn't that beautiful to think of the Holy Spirit in that way? We don't know what we should pray for, but we go before God and we pray anyways. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes that prayer and with groanings that cannot be uttered, he takes that prayer before God. The Bible tells us about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, peace, joy. Long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. tells us about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that he gives gifts to the church. And we know some of those gifts, the gift of teaching or preaching, the gift of evangelism, the gift of prophecy the gift of healing or the gift of hospitality, the gift of administration. We know that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to the church so that the church can represent clearly who God is. The Bible has so much to say about the Holy Spirit and his role. And I look forward to these next few weeks as we take a look at some of these roles and we try to identify who this Holy Spirit is and how does this Holy Spirit affect our lives. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about how important this Holy Spirit is, this part of the Trinity, this Godhead. It's so important that he told his disciples, listen, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. He says, it is to your benefit that I go so that I can send the helper, the comforter, so that he can be here with you. It is to your advantage. Jesus talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit. The apostles and the disciples talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to look at one of those stories where here Paul clearly identifies how important the Holy Spirit is in one spiritual journey in their spiritual growth. Acts chapter 19, starting with verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Here we get a glimpse as to how important the Holy Spirit is in our development. Here it says in verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's how important it is. That Paul comes to this group of believers in Ephesus and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I guess that's a question that we can ask of ourselves. We can ask that question of this church. We can ask that question of our lives individually. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You might be asking yourself, well, man, how... How can I know? How can I identify? Uh, Is there any criteria that can help me understand if I did indeed receive the Holy Spirit when I believed? Well, one way is maybe by looking at the fruits of the Spirit. When you believed, when you accepted the message of Jesus Christ, when you accepted Christ into your life, did you become more loving? Did you become more peaceful? Did you become more kind? Did you become more patient? Do do you exercise more self-control? Maybe that's a way of understanding if I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. But this is important for Paul. And he comes to this group of believers and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They said, "We, we don't know. Uh, we, we don't even know if this Holy Spirit exists that this is new to us or we're not even sure what you're talking about. These group, this group of believers responded in that way. We're not even sure and in verse three, Paul and he said to them, "Into what then were you baptized? In other words, did you miss the boat? I mean, into what were you baptized then if you don't know about the Holy Spirit? And it says here, he continues to say, So then they said into John's baptism. And so you might remember the message of John the Baptist. The message of John the Baptist was come, repent, and be baptized. Repent so that your sins may be cleansed, so that you may be justified of your sins. Because if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Come, be baptized, repent of your sins so that you can experience the renewing, the washing, the cleansing of your sins. Repent, turn from your wicked ways. That was the message of Paul. And so the disciples there that were gathered in Ephesus, they said, that's what we were baptized. That's what we experienced. We listened to Paul and we wanted our sins to be forgiven. And so we were baptized into that. Listen to what Paul says here in verse four. And then Paul said, John, indeed, baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to this. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And if you continue reading on, you see how these small group of believers, these disciples went on to do some pretty remarkable, miraculous things in the name of Jesus Christ as they continued to preach the gospel there in Ephesus, as they went to the synagogues, as they went to the temple, and as they reasoned with the Pharisees and with the theologians trying to get them to understand the message of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So they were baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they went out. Did Paul think the baptism of the Holy Spirit was important? You better believe so. And so here we have Jesus emphasizing the importance of, of the Holy Spirit. We have the disciples and the Apostle Paul emphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you the question here today, why is the Holy Spirit important today? In today's world, in today's culture, in this community, why is the Holy Spirit important? I'd like to Take you to a few passages in scripture. You might think that we've kind of gone off track, but just track with me here and and we'll try and connect the dots. And and hopefully, by the end of today's message, you will see how it all comes together. But I want to share with you one of the reasons why I believe it is so important that the Holy Spirit be present, why it's so important that we continue to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why it's so important that in our personal lives, we ask for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to dwell in our lives. Why it's so important that the Holy Spirit takes a front and center stage in our lives. You know, by the way, have you ever heard some of these, um, like some of these prayers? You know, oh God, we pray for a double portion of your Holy Spirit. Has anyone ever heard that? You know, I've always wondered, why don't we ask for a triple or a quadruple? You know, give me a quadruple portion of the whole. It, it, it's weird how, how we sometimes pray, and I, I, I don't get that whole double portion thing. I just, I just want the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. You're going to see in just a second why it is so important that the Holy Spirit take a front and center stage in our lives. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6. Here again, we are towards the end of Christ's ministry here on earth. We believe that this was the night before he was taken captive and crucified. And so he's giving some last-minute instructions to the disciples. Uh, you, you've read this before, I'm sure. He starts off by saying in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe um, in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. So he he's here encouraging them. He's here giving them some last minute instructions. And then in verse six, to to the response that Thomas, because Thomas asked a question, he said Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? So Thomas says this. He asked this question, and then Jesus responds, and he says. Jesus said to him in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we've looked at this passage before. We've looked at this passage, and, and I've made the point that it is through Jesus that we find the mercy and the grace, it is through Jesus Christ that we find the sacrifice that pays for the penalty of our sin. And it is through Jesus Christ that we have access to God Almighty. He's very clear. It it is not all roads lead to heaven. No, he says it is through me, through me. But he says here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to focus on that word truth. Because he says of himself, I am the truth. Now truth is kind of a, kind of a scary thing these days in that... Uh, we live in a culture that says, you know, there is no absolutes. There is no real, true truth. Whatever you want to do, whatever feels good to you, then that is your truth. But Jesus says, no, 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 wait a second. And Jesus is just sticking the eye to that philosophy. Because he says, no, no, it's not whatever feels good to you is truth. He says, no, I am the truth. My teachings, my ways, what I have instructed to you, that is truth. And anything outside of that is a lie. Anything outside of that is false. He says, I am the truth. And by the way, let me just ask you this question. Where has that philosophy gotten us? The philosophy that says, you know, whatever feels good, well, then that's truth to you. Where has that gotten you, let's say, maybe in your financial situation? You know, whatever feels good to me, then that's truth. And so you put aside God's biblical principles on finances and you say, you know, tithing isn't for me. You know, I'm just going to buy it now and pay later. I'm not really going to follow God's biblical plan and and God's biblical principles on finances, on lending and borrowing. Where has that gotten you? Jesus says, I am the truth. And anything outside of me, anything outside of my teachings is going to get you in trouble. Anything outside of what I have instructed you, guess what, is a lie. You know, we have some pretty clear direction as to how we should interact with one another. And and in your marriages or in your relationship, where has living outside of that truth gotten you? He says to forgive one another. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love others as I have loved you. But yet we live outside of those biblical principles. We live outside of that truth. Where has it gotten us? What has it done to our relationships? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anything outside of that is a lie, and anything outside of that, guess what, is gonna bring bondage. Anything outside of that truth will bring bondage, either bondage to sin, bondage to a habit, bondage to a relationship. Anything outside of that is going to bring bondage. You're going to feel trapped financially. You're going to feel trapped in your relationships. You're going to feel trapped at your work. Anything outside of the truth of Jesus Christ, you are going to feel like you are in prison. And this is why he says in John chapter 8 and I'd like for you to turn a few chapters before to John chapter 8 John chapter 8 verse 32 this is why Jesus says and you shall know the truth and the truth what shall set you free you will know the truth and the truth will set you free now listen, I ask you the question, how many of you long to be free? And there's a desire within every one of us to be free. Could it be that that freedom comes as we enter into this covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and we determine in our hearts and in our minds that we are going to follow your truth? As the truth is revealed to me, I will follow that truth. And that in that truth, we can experience the freedom that Jesus Christ, that God wants for us. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he says, the truth will set you free. And so many of us live in bondage. So many of of us live in prison to our finances because we are living outside of the truth that God has outlined for us in Scripture. Some of us feel like we're in bondage in our relationships because we are living outside of the truth that Jesus Christ, that God has revealed to us in his word. Some of us feel like we're trapped, we're in prison with our health Because we're living outside of what God has said. This is how you should eat. This is how you should live. Some of us feel trapped in our marriages because we are living outside of the truth that Jesus has revealed to us as to how we should love and accept and forgive our spouses. But he says if you live in this truth, You will be free. Now, where does the Holy Spirit play into all of this? How important is the Holy Spirit in this freedom and in this truth that we're talking about? See, because now some of you are starting to make the connection. Some of you are now starting to put the pieces together and some of you are now saying, ah, now I see why the Holy Spirit is important in my spiritual development, in my journey. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to John. John, just flip a few pages forward to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And you know, we're going to start reading with verse 5. What I want to share with you really doesn't come till later, but let's just take it all in. We'll just read it in context here. John chapter 16, starting with verse 5. This is what it says. It says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper here, the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus says, I have so much I wanna say. There's so much I, I still wanna just, just pour out and share with you, but I know that right now, you can't bear them. You can't handle them. And so he says in verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now let me just uh, put a different word there. I don't recommend you do this always. Right? But, but listen to this. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all freedom. He will guide you to be free. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare to you all things that the Father has our mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And so now we understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. We we get to see how important his role is in, in this one aspect, in that the Holy Spirit helps you and helps me understand truth, helps us understand what reality is is. And now that takes place, obviously, in the Word of God. Obviously, the Bible says that His Word is truth. And so when we go before and and we read the Bible, when we open the book of God, it, it is a good idea for us to invite the Holy Spirit to help us understand the words that we read, because it is through Him that we are going to be able to understand what it is that we're reading. After all, was it not the Holy Spirit that wrote the scriptures? Prophecy never came by the will of men. Do you remember this passage? But holy men spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so here the Holy Spirit was given the task to put together the word of God. And in this word of God, he was to outline who God is. And he was there to outline the plan of salvation. Now, I, I think we had to cap him uh, severely. You know, because we have so many words in our language you know, does any, any English majors here, do, do we know how many words are in the English language? I'm sorry, does anybody know? No? 60, 80,000? For some reason that, that comes to mind. Okay, so now think, picture this. We have to limit our understanding of who God is to our vocabulary. Using our Vocabulary. I mean, even in the Greek language, there are words that are hard to translate into the English language. There are words in the Greek language that in the English language we go, man, we really don't have a word for that. We really don't know how to describe that. But here the Holy Spirit is is trying to define for us who God is, define for us the plan of salvation. We give him, I don't know how many thousands of words to do that. No wonders he has to take our prayers and take it before God with groanings that cannot even be uttered with a language that we don't even know about. So he goes before God and he says, God, I know that this is what they said, but what they're really trying to say is, and then he shares with God. He is our intercessor. He is our advocate. John calls him our advocate. Here the Holy Spirit puts the word of God together. And now when we open the word of God, how good would it be for us to go before the author and say, okay, now help me understand what it is that you were trying to say. You know, sometimes we have a hard time understanding scripture. Maybe we just need to spend a little bit more time before we open the book, before opening the Bible and just say, God, I need the Holy Spirit here in my life to help me understand what I am reading. Help me to see past and and help me to grasp the things of God. Now listen, truth is not just what we believe. Truth is not just our doctrines and our beliefs. Yeah, that's important. Absolutely. But don't forget what Jesus told the Pharisees. He says, here you spend all this time paying tithe and doing all these things of the law, but yet you have forgotten the weightier matters of the law, which is love, mercy, and peace. You've forgotten those things. So while doctrine is important, while what we believe is important, let us not just stop there. We need to go beyond because there is truth within those doctrines, within those beliefs. There is truth beyond that that the Holy Spirit can reveal to us that will help us in our journey, in our spiritual development. The truth, as we know it in Scripture... In other words, our doctrines and our beliefs, it doesn't just stop there. Because listen to what it says here. Now, we read verse 13 that says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Yes, I believe he will guide you into biblical truth. In other words, into biblical doctrines and beliefs. Absolutely. But that's not the only kind of truth that he will lead you into. Not only is he going to lead you into an understanding of who God is, not only is he going to lead you into an understanding of the plan of salvation, not only is he going to lead you into the truth of how I need to apply these principles into my life, whether it's financially or in my marriage or in my family or how I should be relating to my boss at work. Not only is he going to lead you into those kinds of truth, but listen to what it says in verse 8. And when he comes, has come, he will what? Convict the world of sin. Now, this is the kind of truth that we don't like to hear. This is the kind of truth that we would just rather forget about. But if God loves you as much as I believe he does, Not only does he want to save you from the mess that you're in, he wants to save you from the mess that you've become. And so through the Holy Spirit, he will reveal to you the truth about who you are. Not only about who God is, but he's going to reveal to you the truth about who you are and the areas in your life that need to change, the areas in your life that need to be tweaked a little bit, and, and sometimes that might come through a message. Sometimes that may come through a song. Sometimes that might come through a spouse. Sometimes that might come through a, a close friend of yours. But the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the things in your life that need changing. Because that truth, what? Will set you free. Now, what do we do? What do we do when we are revealed that truth? What, what do we do when we are revealed with either a biblical principle about how we should be living our lives? Or what do we do with, with the truth that, that about ourselves, about things in our lives that need changing? What, what do we do with that? Do we just forget? Do we ignore? Do we say, Oh, you know, Holy Spirit, that, that was a good one. You know, that that was a good one. And and just walk away. There us be like the demons who also believe, but have no connection. Let me just share with you here what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I'd like to to share this with you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't don't turn away your ear. No, incline your ear to the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal in your life. Don't just say, oh, you know, that's nice. That's okay. Maybe next week. Or don't say, you know, Holy Spirit, I know, I know I'm supposed to do that. But, you know, until she does it first, you know, until she asks for forgiveness first, until she apologizes first, until he makes things right. No. If the Holy Spirit is revealing a truth in your life, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but act on it. You know what will happen? You will experience freedom. The freedom that you're looking for, the freedom that we all long for, we will experience freedom. Why? Why? Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, he reveals to us truth. And Jesus says that the truth will set you free. Now, we're not going to spend too much time here with this. I just kind of want to take your attention to this. Because I want to share with you the significance, the, the, the importance, how critical it is not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a subject that has been debated for decades and centuries. What is the unpardonable sin? Pastor, have I committed the unpardonable sin? I've been asked that question. Pastor, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I've been told that. What is the unpardonable sin? Can we go there and maybe with what we've already talked about, With our understanding, our little understanding of what we've already covered, let's look at this passage again. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. The unpardonable sin. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. Amen? That's good stuff, right? Every sin and every blasphemy. It doesn't matter what you have committed in your life. All right? So if it is an action or a thought, if it is something that you have committed that you know is a sin, or whether you, you know, maybe you don't know that it's a sin, but you committed it anyway, we are given a promise that that will be forgiven. Thank God that through Jesus Christ, the penalty of sin was paid, and that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, all right? And this is, therefore, I say to you, every sin is And blasphemy will be forgiven men, but, here it is, the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Now let me try and explain this for you so that you understand. We were told in Ephesians to do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit, in other words, do not ignore the Holy Spirit, do not put them aside If you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you don 't just say oh yeah that 's sweet that 's okay, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe a year from now, you know maybe when she does it, when he does it, when they turn around, when they forgive me for no, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but listen to what He has to say. And he will give you the power to be victorious and overcome. And when you act on it, you will be set free. However, if you do not act on it, how can you be set free? In other words, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, then how can that sin in your life be changed? How can it be tweaked? How can it be transformed? How can it be taken away? I heard a pastor say it like this one time. The sin that cannot be forgiven is the sin that you refuse to give up. The sin that cannot be forgiven is the sin that you refuse to give up doesn't mean that you overcame it and that you're never committing that sin again. No, what it is saying is, God, I surrender this sin to you. I acknowledge that I am wrong. I acknowledge that I need help. Help me here. I am not pushing you away. No, I am here standing in this moment asking you to give me victory over what you have revealed in my life. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And You know what's interesting? As I've had an opportunity to talk to people, um, individuals who have struggled um, with certain habits in their life, certain uh, characteristics um, in their life, maybe they have a short temper, they have a short fuse. You know, the more you do it, the easier it is. You know, the, the more you do it, the, the more you ingrain that groove the easier it is to do it. I'm not saying that there's no hope. There is hope because greater is he who is in us than in the world. There is hope to overcome any sin and any habit, any addiction. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, but the time is now to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. The time is now to say, if you are revealing this sin in my life, I am coming before you as a sinner and I'm asking for you to cleanse me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, reveal to me the truth. Give me the strength to overcome, to overcome. Because here's the deal. As truth is revealed to us, Whether it be the truth of God, the truth of his plan of salvation, or the truth about who we are, as truth is revealed to us, if we accept that truth and allow God to work in our lives, guess what? You will experience freedom. You will experience the freedom that you long for. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link.